December 11th, and we're here to talk hoops. Ben and Sam here with you to break down the 2018-2019 Clemson Tigers. Um, Cody mentioned Duke twice last episode, so we put him on suspicion, and uh, Tully has been too busy following uh, Jerron Blossom Games' rise with the Cleveland Cavaliers, so it's just the two of us. Uh, but Sam, uh, glad to be talking about basketball. Good to have a little bit of break for football, though we're certainly looking forward to the college football playoff. Um, but yeah, let's talk some round ball. You know, I'm always excited to talk basketball. Uh, as soon as basketball season starts, it's it's even with football in my mind, and I have to force myself to watch the football games. Um, so I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, so obviously we're uh, nine games into this season so far, but being so consumed with football, uh, this is generally in December where we get we have a little break and we get to talking basketball. So we're kind of going to approach this at first almost – like there's not been nine games, but then, of course, we'll kind of get into how the team has fared so far, far this year. But uh, just to kind of frame the discussion following up on the the team from last year, um, this Clemson basketball team probably had its second best season in school history um, other than the 1989-90 season. Uh, they went 25-11, and 11, which tied for the best win total ever. Uh, 11-7 and seven in the ACC, finished tied for third. That was the most conference wins ever by a Clemson basketball team. Got knocked out in the third round of the ACC tournament by Virginia, um, but still landed a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was uh, the first time since the Brad Brennell's first year for the Tigers making it to the NCAA tournament. And what a run it was. You know, advanced all the way to the Sweet 16 with uh, good wins over New Mexico, the blowout win over Auburn. Uh, and then ultimately a four-point loss to number one seed Kansas there in the Sweet 16, which was really uh, kind of a gutty performance in coming back. And even though the Tigers lost that game, you felt really good about the season coming out of that. Yeah, the season was uh, as good as we could have hoped for. Uh, we lost our best player two-thirds of the way through the season. About Bounty a third Grantham. of the way through ACC play versus yep. Notre Dame, yeah. Yep, and... Uh, Managed to finish the season strong. Um, we got through the ACC tournament. Didn't look amazing, but we'd done such a good job in non-conference and early conference play that we still ended up with a five seed, like you said. Uh, and then Gabe DeVoe decided that he was going to be Bobby Buckets for the rest of the year and had, had 75 points across those three NCAA tournament games. Um, for the first couple rounds, he was one of the players of the, of the tournament. And... It was a ton of fun to watch, and and we were hopeful coming out of the season and, and looking forward to this year. Yeah, I mean, it was I mean certainly a great season for Clemson basketball, and, and one that us as fans have really been biding our time for for quite some time. You know, with, with Brad Brownell's tenure here, there's been some ups and downs. There's been some seasons. You know, the uh, the year with, I think, Blossom game where he probably should have gotten into the NCAA tournament and got a snub there. Um, was it – I can't remember. If it was Blossom game in – 
and KJ was on. Was it the KJ team? Uh, where we had 22 wins and didn't quite make it in? Yeah, we had in 2014, we had 23 wins and didn't make the tournament. Gotcha. Um, um, but outside of that, there was really no other season outside of his first one where Brynell really had an argument for getting in. So finally good to see that. And, and as you mentioned, it gave us high hopes coming into this year. Um, and what was really surprising about that run last year, as you mentioned, Dante Grantham going down in that Notre Dame game, he was the leading scorer in seven of those of 19 games up until that point. Gabe DeVoe had actually not led the team in scoring in any game um, up until that Notre Dame game. Um, and then from there on, he was the leading scorer of nine out of our last 17 games. You mentioned how well he did in the tournament. He had 25 in the ACC tournament against Boston College. And then it was the leading scorer uh, against Auburn and KU, 22 versus Auburn, 31 versus KU in that NCAA tournament loss. So, um, man, you know, after DeVoe's first three years, and quite frankly, to be honest with you, after Grantham's first three years, I really had no hope for these guys. And they really turned a corner last year and were just really, really important leaders of this group and such important key players that it was going to be tough heading into this year, losing those two guys. And again, I'm really surprised that the Dante Grantham loss did not affect this team anymore. Yeah. I was really expecting a a bit of a drop off when Dante went down, but throughout the whole season, you could tell that the team was rallying behind our two senior leaders and they just fought their butts off the whole season. Um, Grit Clemson grit was the, was the calling card for the team last year. And they really lived up to that mantra, um, especially losing, you know, one of your top two players. Grantham ended the season averaging 14 and seven. Um, And, you know, when you lose 15 points, 14, 15 points and seven rebounds and two assists from your team, that's a lot of, of, it's a big set of shoes to fill. Well, and all the things he did away from the ball, too, like even when he wasn't scoring, he was probably one of the most active guys on the courts. And just as an all around player, the best one on the team last year. Absolutely. Uh, and we picked it up a little bit here and there. Uh, David Scar picked a little of that defense up last year. Gabe DeVille obviously picked up a lot of that scoring. Eli and Amir Sims picked up some of that rebounding. Uh, Mark Donnell picked up some of the bench production that we didn't have the year before. It was uh, it really was a team effort and it was tons of fun to watch the team last year because they really pulled together and were a fantastic group uh, that worked together and, and made the game fun. Yeah. And now it's a huge credit to the, to the players, to the leadership and even uh, Dante Grantham continuing on being a vocal leader of that team, even with him not playing. Um, and then, of course, the coaching staff holding everything together. I mean, you saw the effect it had in the immediate aftermath of him uh, going down for the season and that loss at number two, Virginia, 61 to 36 loss, which was a just absolute complete blowout. Um, Only one of the season though. Only game we lost by more than 10. A devastating blowout. Um, But then for, and in most years, and you probably after that, when you start to see this team crumble um, under the pressure down the stretch, but they go and uh, reel off four straight wins after that, including a a win against uh, number 19, North Carolina. So, yeah, great job for for the team bouncing back, and uh, really in hindsight, and seeing how the team's playing this year, um, you really see how valuable those two guys were. And and as I mentioned, I never would have thought that early on in their careers, but kudos to those guys, and now they're doing uh, well in the professional ranks. So turning our focus to this year, Brad Brownell enters his ninth season as the the Clemson head coach. He's currently under a, a six year contract through twenty twenty four, fifteen million dollar contract, getting re up last year. Um, prior to the the, the big run, um, he's got a 572 winning percentage at Clemson in his history, which by Clemson standards, that's pretty good. 
under 500 at 67 and 73 in the ACC, but that's been slowly improving. Uh, two NCAA tournament appearances now, three 22-plus win seasons, three 10-plus ACC uh, uh, win seasons, and uh, five seasons over 500 in the ACC. Um, which, again, by, by Clemson standards, that, that's pretty good in basketball. That being said, we've been left yearning for more. And, you know, up until this point, where would you put Brad Brownell and his kind of success rate at Clemson? Uh, you know, he's been a success overall, I would say. Um, he's got the most, uh, one of the most wins in, in program history. He just cracked 150 a couple games ago uh, in his wins at, at Clemson University, which is a lot. Um, I think we've struggled a bit uh, in ACC play and with consistency throughout the year uh, from season to season. We we talked about it a little bit last year, I think. Um, but he tends to start seasons really well and then fall off or do the exact opposite and start terrible out of the gate and then figure something out with the team. Last year was one of the first times that we've seen the team really consistent throughout the whole yeah. year. Start off strong maybe falter a little in the middle uh, with that tough stretch and then the injury to Grantham. Uh, but they bounce back incredibly well and finish the season on an incredibly high note. So uh, tons of credit to Brad Brownell and the coaching staff for that. Um, so, yeah, I think he's been a success overall. And it's a tough league to compete in in the ACC. There are always going to be five to seven incredibly strong programs every year. And then, you know, three or four or five more that could be competing for NCAA tournament spots. So uh, to be in the top tier of that last year was was really promising. Yeah, and you've really seen um, just the evolution of of his uh, of his recruiting, which has been huge. To start to get some players in here, um, he really changed his mindset after just some traditional recruiting. You're not going to attract the most high profile players to Clemson as it is. The facilities weren't that great. He got that going, practice facility, the upgrades to Little John, and then uh, thinking outside of the box and going out and getting those transfers and Elijah Thomas and Shelton Mitchell and Marquise Reed and David Scara and Mark Donald and all those guys. And what you're kind of seeing from him is that's not necessarily going to be a consistent thing that he does, but it helped jumpstart the kind of excitement and the rise, the current rise of Clemson basketball. And now you're starting to see more high-profile recruits give us a look. Um, which hopefully leads to more consistency in recruiting well um, in the high school ranks and not necessarily having to rely on transfers. That being said, we still got some good transfers coming in, and we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say overall for Brad Belnell, I mean, his culture and his personality fits Clemson, and that's one of the best things that you can say about somebody, especially with all the scandals going on in college basketball. It's refreshing to have him as our basketball coach. I've been disappointed with him at times, even going as far as thinking that he should probably be let go. Um, but that being said, I'm, I love him as a, as a head coach. Um, I think he's a great guy for Clemson, and I'm really rooting for his continued success. And I will caution people um, that you don't, at Clemson, when you go and make a Sweet 16 run, that doesn't immediately mean you turn around and go and do that again or even make the tournament. That's just not how the tradition and history of Clemson basketball has been built. You accumulate guys and you have one good year. You may have a couple good uh, down years before you get back. But looking forward with this team, and I, I was certainly uh, uh, guilty of that, um, but you really start to, when you look down the road and you see the young guys on the team, the recruits we've been bringing in, the guys we're bringing in next year, you know, don't if we give up, we got up to a slow start this year. Don't give up hope on this team. He has an opportunity to coach this team up. And again, I think the future is really bright with the guys 
we have uh, coming in. But that being said, um, we got a taste of it last year, and he's going to have to continue to, to prove it for Clemson fans to stay behind him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit early in the season, the football season, um, looking forward to this basketball season, and, and we said uh, something to the effect of a, not, a lack of a tournament appearance would be a disappointment for the season. Uh, I think you guys pushed me a little bit on whether a Sweet 16 would be uh, you know, the minimum there, and I definitely pushed back and said, you know, the tournament, uh, yeah. as always, is dependent on matchups. So yeah. getting there is really all we can hope for at this point. We are not an elite program like a Duke or North Carolina uh, that can expect to make a run in the tournament most years. Um, so getting there is the starting point. And if Brad can start to do that consistently, that is a step forward for this program that we have not seen in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it would be uh, ridiculous to expect this team to make it back to the Sweet 16 this year. But I don't think it outlandish to expect them to to make the tournament now and going forward on a consistent basis. And that doesn't mean every single year. You might have yeah. a gap year here and there, but at least four in, of six, something like that would be great. Yeah, at least in those years, uh, make a good showing in the in the NIT. Um, but it all starts with the, the guys we have coming back on this team. And we do have um, a wealth of guys who have good experience, have tournament experience. So let's take a look at the profile of this team, who we've got coming back, who we lost, and who's new. Okay, this Clemson basketball team is uh, returning several starters from last year, four key starters in uh, starting guards Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell, and also starting center Elijah Thomas. And then really, which turned out to be kind of a, a coup for Brad Brunell and, and getting David Scar back, he considered going professional, um, going back to uh, Croatia. Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you're seeing, especially with his defense, he's the best defender on the team. Um, that's really – he made a huge impact last year. Wasn't necessarily needed on the offensive end with all the scores that we had. But this year you see his improved offensive game, which has really been a, a huge benefit given that we've had some struggles on offense this year. So – those are the four uh, key returners who played starter minutes last year. You also have Amir Sims, who stepped in after uh, Dante Grantham went down and played well. Clyde Trapp is a guy at the guard position that we're going to need to play well for key depth there. And then Malik William um, could be at a loss this year. He's uh, still battling some issues from concussions, um, and so not sure if he's going to see the court this year. Um, but let's talk about this, uh, these returners, uh, real quick. You know, you got a lot of, uh, guys with experience between Reed, uh, Mitchell and Thomas guys have been on the team for three years. Um, where do you look for uh, from leadership having lost Grantham and, uh, DeVoe? I think the natural thing to do is to look to the seniors, um, which is Marquise Reed, Gabe DeVoe, um, sorry, Shelton Mitchell, not Gabe DeVoe. Gabe's gone. Sorry. Uh, Shelton, Keese, um, and Eli are the guys that really should be carrying this team emotionally. Um, this is their last year playing college basketball, and you want them to be and, the ones pushing the and, tempo. And, and, the, and, and they all made the conscious decision to come back, Yes, right? All, all three thought about leaving to either go pro, um, or they tested the waters at least, uh, and got the answer back that, well, you know, you might be able to make it, but it's going to be tough, and you're not going to get drafted early. All but Eli, who probably had the the biggest chance out of all of them to go yeah, and he, pro he never talent really wise. considered it no, he seriously. Just, yeah. Outright came back. Um, like you said, scar coming back is a huge win for Brownell. Um, he almost went pro in Croatia and decided to come back, wanted to finish it out with his boys, uh, here at Clemson. So that's a big win for us. Um, I think we expect 
the three seniors coming back to be the ones to lead the team. Uh, but Marquise Reed, especially, uh, he's going to be our leading scorer this year as long as he stays healthy. Uh, he's a very quiet guy. He's not the vocal leader that a Gabe DeVoe was. Um, that's a skill that can be learned, but it's not his natural tendency to be vocal and loud and get the guys, you know, he's not going to be the one yelling at people in practice. Um, so I think there's there's certainly a gap in leadership style for this team, and we need a vocal leader to step up. And I think that could be any of the returners, really, uh, including uh, the transfers that we got in this year as well. The freshmen are not going to do that job. No. The sophomores could, but it's unlikely. Amir Sims and Clyde Trapp, like you said, are going to get a lot of playing time. Um, but I don't think they're super vocal either. Amir might have that in him. Uh, Clyde might have it in him, but they're they're still figuring out their confidence level in themselves, and it's going to be tough for them to lead the team unless they're confident that they can actually do that. Yeah, so that's the question that remains open on this team is who is going to emerge as the, the vocal leaders and, and have that grit that we talked about from last year. We, let's, let's mention the losses here as we talked about that, and Grantham and DeVoe, your clear leaders from last year's uh, team, but then also losing Mark Donald, who filled a key role last year. Um, but really probably bigger more so than anything else is is the Oliver, A.J. Oliver transfer and the Scott Spencer transfer because we're losing two guards there, and you look at our our, our – our um, our front court uh, this year we're a little thin on depth. Those guys both could have helped. Yeah, we uh, we need an extra guard in the backcourt. Um, John Newman, one of the incoming freshmen, is going to be filling a lot of time there. Uh, but it's really the three uh, that we've already talked about: Marquise Reed, Shelton Mitchell, and Clyde Trapp. They are our guard. They're our guard play, and that's it. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned John Newman, and it's it's speculated that his emergence. Uh, led up to A.J. Oliver leaving. But, you know, that's a guy who appeared in 19 games last year, was averaging 7.2 points a minute, uh, or 7.2 minutes a game. Uh, His mother, Audra Smith, was the Clemson women's basketball coach. He got let go at the end of the last season. So, But once A.J. stuck with the team after that, I figured he wasn't going to be leaving. So a little bit surprised to see him uh, jump ship right before the beginning of this year. Yeah, early November he he announced he was going to transfer. Hey, at um, least he didn't stay four games and leave, right? No, he, he didn't. <laughs> um, it was a little surprising. Scott Spencer transferred right after the end of last season, knowing he was not going to see the minutes, uh, looking ahead to the guys like Newman coming in and expecting A.J. to stay. Um so he transferred to LaSalle. Uh, AJ decided in November that he was going to go to Old Dominion. So he's sitting out this year, I believe. Uh, so maybe uh, John Newman is the, the, the quarterback of the, the Trevor Lawrence of the basketball team. He's not that highly touted. He's not a five, not the 5.9 star, you know. Probably not the savior this year. No, but he could definitely step up and fill a lot of minutes. Uh, he's still running minutes people off. That Clyde Trapp filled last year, uh, John could do this year. We need Clyde to take that next step and and fill the role of a little bit of uh, Gabe DeVoe and a little bit of you know his own style, um, but it's it's going to be thin in the backcourt for us. Yeah, so let's mention the newcomers here real quick. Um, you mentioned John Newman; he has the potential to be an impact player immediately for this basketball team. Um, you also got a guy like Javon White, uh, a grad transfer from Oral Roberts. He's got uh, the Two years of eligibility remaining, which is kind of weird for yep. a grad transfer, averaging nearly a double-double last year at Oral Roberts. 
And then you have uh, Trey Jemison, the top player from the state of Alabama. He's a little raw, but still a lot of upside with that guy. Seven footer. Yeah. yeah, Hunter Tyson, a guy, uh, 6'6". He's got some range from the outside. So he's going to be your... uh, uh, your three or your four, but mm-hmm. has the ability to to shoot from range. And then you mentioned Jonathan Bear as well. He's a UNC Asheville transfer who will have to sit out this year. But coaching staff thinks that this guy's a future pro. Yeah, I think Bear next year is going to be a really good player for us. Um, hopefully, he's good enough that he can go pro, and then he you know decides to stay for two years because that'd be fantastic. Um, but just to talk a little bit about the other guys you brought in, Javen White, like you mentioned. He's essentially our backup center right now. He's filling in minutes for both Amir Sims at the power forward and Eli at center. Um, he's a pretty good defender. He's very active, good rebounder, not a good offensive player. He's got like 13 points all season so far in nine games, something like that. Um, not a good shooter. He can dunk, though. Uh, he'll finish stuff around the rim, put put back uh, rebounds, things like that. Uh, John Newman is a guard. Uh, he's super fast, very long arms. He's the one out there with the crazy big hair that flies all over the place after him when he's running. Uh, you can tell how fast he's going by how far behind his head, his, his hair is. <laughs> um, he's got the potential to be one of the best perimeter defenders on the team, uh, without a doubt. And so we look for a lot of development from him there this year. That's, that's where I would focus on, on what he can give us this year. He, if he gives us anything offensively, that's a bonus. Uh, Hunter Tyson is somebody that comes out of high school touted as a really good shooter. He's off to a not so good start this year, um, but he has the potential to to hit open shots. He can get his shot up over a lot of smaller guards and even some of the small forwards in in the ACC. Um, So hopefully he comes into form. Trey Jemison just made his debut this week. He had a a leg injury um, early in the season, but he is a gigantic human and has a Pretty good mobility for a big guy. He's seven feet tall, like 250 pounds, um, and could be a very serviceable backstop for the defense if he can figure it out. Uh, like you said, he's pretty raw, so the coaches are going to have to uh, teach him up, but a lot of potential there as well. Always good to have gigantic humans on your basketball team. So let's move this on to uh, diving into more of the, the backcourt and front court depth here. Starting with the backcourt, we, uh, we mentioned very little depth there with uh, A.J. Oliver leaving. Um, essentially leaving four guys in Shelton Mitchell, Marquise Reed, and Clyde Trapp, and uh, the freshman John Newman. Uh, you know, we kind of know what to expect out of Marquise Reed. You mentioned he's he's going to be our leading scorer on the team this year. He's a preseason second team, all uh, ACC selection. Um, he's really the only guy on the team right now who has the ability to create his own shot. His defense is improving. Um, led the team in steals last year. Um, he does kind of a lack elite size for a two guard, um, but overall, I'm really, really great and, and pivotal to have him coming back. All the more reason why his injury right now is kind of uh, so critical for this basketball team and especially in getting him back. Yeah, he, he got hurt at the end of uh, the game against St. Peter's and looked like it could have been a scary knee injury. He got these, the MRI done, just an MCL sprain. Uh, so he... Missed our game against Mississippi State, which we'll talk about in a bit probably, but um, he should hopefully be back this weekend for our game against Radford. Yeah, so we, we more or less know what to expect out of Marquise Reed. Um, as with everybody on the team this year, a little uh, slow, uh, off to a slow start shooting the ball this year, um, and that transitions us to Shelton Mitchell at point guard. You know, he's been solid every year for this Clemson basketball team. He had that huge game against New Mexico State in the first round of the AC or the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, leading the team with 23 points. 
This is a guy who, especially after seeing his slow start this year, seems to have plateaued somewhat. His uh, field goal percentage so far this year uh, down to just under 39%. That's down from 40% last year and down from 46% his first year on the team. Three-point percentage sitting at 30% this uh, year as well. Um, assist down so far this year. Now, that could be a byproduct of Gay DeBoe, guys like Gay DeBoe and uh, Dante Grantham uh, leaving. But uh, not a good start for Shelton Mitchell this year, and he's a guy that we really need to step up and perform well. Yeah, the shooting is really the, the concerning thing. He's, like you said, shooting 30% from three. Uh, Marquise Reed at this point this year is shooting 27%. So our two lead guards that are supposed to be our, our scoring backcourt that is supposed to be one of the best backcourts in the ACC, if not the country, um, have gotten off to very cold starts. Uh, the thing that concerns me most about their play so far this year is the turnover rate, though. These are supposed to be veteran guys who can handle pressure and help us run the offense. And they're both turning it over at better than a 15% rate, which is means they're turning it over once every seven or eight times down the court. They end a possession. They're turning the ball over. And how does that, do you know how that compares percentage-wise to last year? Because I'm looking at uh, Mitchell's turnovers. He's averaging 2.1 turnovers a game, which is just a tick up from uh, his previous three years. So the average is about the same. But yeah. you're saying the percentage of times that he has the ball that he's turning it over. Yeah, so Shelton's actually improved a little bit this year. He's down to, to 15.6%. He was at 17 last year, 20 the year before. Um and Marquise is, I think, up from last year just a hair. He was at 10, uh, 10% in 2017, 12.6% last year, and he's up to 15.8% this year. So he's going the wrong direction with those. Uh, some of that comes with more ball handling responsibility, um, but his assist rate hasn't gone up quite as much as you'd hope with that added responsibility as well. It is better from last year. Um, but we really want those to be coming, you know, way more assists and way fewer turnovers as he gets older and more experienced. Well, an assist would indicate that somebody you passed the ball to actually made a shot. (laughs) That's definitely a problem so far. Which has been a struggle. There's no Bobby buckets on this team, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. And going back to Shelton Mitchell, his average points per game, um, is up by about a point and a half this year. Um, and three points uh, from from two years ago, his first year with the team. So while he is scoring more, just not being as efficient with his shots. Yeah, the three-point percentage uh, for his career, he's a 37% shooter. He's shooting 27% 27 so far this year. So I expect that to come up. Um, He's probably taking a few tougher shots than he needs to right now. Part of that is that we don't have the spacing on the court to give him easy open looks. Um, But we do have a lot of good passers on this team. They can't create for other people, though. They can move the ball around when it's necessary. Uh, but Shelton and Marquise are really the only ones that can drive and kick effectively to create shots for others. And so one guy we really need to step up um, in, in that category is Clyde Trapp, another point guard, um, a, a little taller and longer f- for that position at 6'4", about an inch taller than Shelton Mitchell. Uh, 7.8 minutes a game last year and looking to increase. He's up to 21 minutes a game so far this year. How's he look so far for you? And, and what is his uh, potential impact that, or what can we hope for the, the best yeah, possible uh, impact? I think the best possible impact is for him to uh, shoot a little bit better than he did last year. He's not really an offensive minded player, uh, at least not scoring wise. He, he shot 33% from three last year. Uh, he's already made as many threes this year as he did last year on one more shot. Um, so he's shooting the ball more at about the same rate, which is fine. Uh, We can probably expect about that this year throughout the whole year. Uh, What we really need from him is some facilitation. 
um, which he's looked like a better player this year. He looks more in control of the offense. His uh, turnover rate, just for reference, was 25% last year, down to 14% this year. And his assist rate is up to 16%. So he's assisting more than he's turning it over, which is what you want to see. Um, and he's just, he looks really athletic this year. He looks like he's added a step, uh, a little bit more strength. And he's, he, the first game of the season, he actually got his first career block. He's now added several more since then. Um, he has really long arms and can jump out of the gym. Uh, and so I expect him to continue to pressure up on defense, be a really strong perimeter defender for us, and even get a couple more chase down blocks like he has. He, he really could be, uh, the breakout player that makes the difference for this team this year. Uh, we'll talk about Amir Sims in a minute. I don't consider him a breakout player because he had his breakout last year. Yeah. Uh, there's more to his game as well, but uh, Clyde's the one who hadn't really taken the step yet, who could do it this year that would make a huge impact for this team. Yeah, especially, again, con- considering the backcourt depth. Um, and John Newman, uh, the, the true freshman shooting guard, he's a, another guy who, who, if he can step up and make a big impact this year, will be a huge shot in the yard for this team. This is a 6'6 shooting guard. At 175 pounds, he could stand to put on some weight, but he's a really good defender. You mentioned uh, good could end up being one of the best defenders on the team. Um, he, he he looks like an ACC player, um, just a long wingman. Um, and again, we mentioned likely why Oliver left. So with that attrition there and only having these four guys in the backboard, really need him to step up. Absolutely. We need him to be Clyde Trapp and A.J. Oliver from last year combined, <clears throat> which means he's going to get more minutes than they did last year. Um, but he, he needs to fill those admirably and not be a total sink on offense. He needs to at least hit open shots when he's got them and, you know, cut and drive a little bit um, to make people respect him on the offensive end. And defensively, he needs to do what Clyde is starting to do this year as well in, uh, you know, really hounding ball handlers and preventing as many scores as we can. These guys have the potential to be really good perimeter defenders they fit brownell's system really well um and they just need to continue to grow and improve throughout the year yeah and that's a few things i look for out of a freshman like like that is the growth and improvement and then off the bat i'm less worried about their offense i want to see high energy guys who buy into the defense which john newman will um and then you know don't make a lot of dumb mistakes and it's okay to show some aggressiveness aggressiveness with your offensive game um especially when we were lacking scores this year. Um, so it'll be really interested, interesting to follow him. I think he should get a lot of playing time early on, as he has been. Uh, so let's follow his uh, evolution closely over this year because when it comes down to tournament time, his play could be a big reason um, that makes or breaks us whether or not we get in. Um, so moving over to the front court here, a lot more depth there with guys coming back, um, all starting with uh, – the big man in the middle, senior Elijah Thomas. He's probably been the uh, the most – he's shown the most consistent improvement on the team during his time um, at Clemson. Yeah, Eli every year gets a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit more savvy. Um, he's really – he came into this season a little bit out of shape. He was hurt early on in the year with a couple of ankle injuries. And the last couple games, he's really looked like he's got his wind back. He's still struggling with foul trouble, something that uh, Clemson big men seem to be – uh, prone to just historically Landry Noko dealt with the same thing. Uh, Raymond Sykes, like all the guys that, that protect the rim for us when, when we've got somebody in there by themselves, our guard perimeter defense 
has let people through and they attack the guard they're attack the big guys and you know people get in foul trouble um but he's improving every year with it and well, this year, offensively, he looks fantastic. Yeah, he's he's been improving every year with everything. I Absolutely. Mean, he's really worked on his technique with a back-to-the-basket, now has the ability to score, um, either facing it up or with his back-to-the-basket. His free-throw shooting has um, improved tremendously. His defense is much improved. Um, and, and though off to a slow start this year due to those injuries and being out of shape, he's really come on recently. Uh, the 18 points in 37 minutes versus Mississippi State was huge. 37 minutes, that's might be the most he's ever played in a game. That- yeah, he, uh, he's he got his win back. Mississippi State, I think he was 8 for 9 from the field in that game. Uh, ended up with our being our second leading scorer. Um, he looked fantastic. Yeah, so we'll we'll watch for him to continue to be dominant as the year goes on. And again, he showed improvement every single year, so expect to see that as well. Uh, then you have sophomore Amir Sims. Like you said, Sam, his coming out party was last year. Uh, he got increased playing time after Dante Grantham went down and, and really took advantage of that and, and play well. He'll he'll likely start at the power forward position, could play small forward if the need shows itself. Um, he's efficient in the post, and he can step out and knock down some shots. Um, serviceable dis- defender, not the best in the world, but uh, he's bought into the system. He'll do well. He averaged 11 points and five re- uh, He's averaging 11 points and five rebounds a game this year after a little bit of a slow start and it's doubled his playing time. Yeah, he um, I think Amir Sims is is potentially the best talent on this team. I don't think he knows that he uh, he's a very conservative player. He isn't, I don't think anybody in the Clemson watching Clemson basketball knows that except for you. Maybe they need to watch closer. This guy is a beast. Um, he he's made the leap. He may not be aware of that um, as against Mississippi State. He ended up getting 23 points in the game, his career high. He's the most efficient scorer we have on the team besides Eli because Eli is constantly getting dunks and, and getting fouled and getting the line. Uh, Amir needs to take more shots. He is one of our better three-point shooters. He's at 40% for the season so far this year, which is a big improvement over last year. That's a great three-point percentage. You take That's that fantastic. any day of the week. Um, you take that from your guards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we could get uh, Marquise and Shelton up to that, we'd be winning a couple more games this we'd year. be undefeated. Um, so... I think Amir Sims is somebody that we need to run a little bit more offense through. Brad needs to force him to take more shots because it's not in his nature. Um, like you mentioned, he's not the best defender. He does have the athleticism to keep up with big guys. He can body down low. He can protect the rim a little bit. Um, he's figuring out that he can, you know, how to move on defense to to protect the rim effectively. Uh, still a lot of room for growth there for him. But offensively, he's the guy that that we need to to be a little bit more aggressive if Marquise and Shelton especially can can figure out their shots and get back to normal because uh, they're performing so far well under their averages for their careers, if they can get back to normal and he can continue to, to show what he's done so far this year, um, we're going to have a strong offensive effort, three or four guys that can go out and score 15 in any, any given night. Um, and that's really important. It was one of the, the hallmarks of last year's team is that anyone between uh, Shelton, Marquise, Eli, and Dante could go out and get 15 or 20 on any given night. Yeah, so speaking of offensive effort, uh, it takes us to David Scar, the other starting forward. Uh, I already mentioned him as probably being the team's best defender right now. But he's shown a lot of improvement on the offensive end up to averaging 7.8, uh, 7.8 points a game this year. Yeah, he clearly went and worked hard on his shot in the offseason. He's shooting something like 38% so far this year, I think, um, from three and or 40, excuse me, 43% from three, not 38. 
And he is also a super efficient scorer. He doesn't take a lot of shots. He's focused mostly on defense. Uh, he's the vocal guy on the defensive end of the court that's telling people where they need to be um, and leading that defense. That's something that we need him to focus on. We need that effort from him defensively. He's the guy that can hopefully shut down all the two guards, small forwards, and power forwards that we face that are are the best players on those teams. Uh, he's not going to be guarding the point guards if they're the key guys, but um, he he's a shutdown defender when he needs to be, and that's where where he will bring the value this year. Yeah, and as good as he is on the defensive end, um, if he can improve his offensive play that's really going to send his stock up when you're talking about playing professionally so um again he saw something some reason why he should come back to clemson and what he can improve upon and how he can benefit from that as opposed to going playing overseas in croatia so um good great to have him back especially from a defensive standpoint and any improvement on the offensive end is just going to be a bonus um so uh Going to the backups now, uh, grad transfer, Javon White. Uh, this is a 6'10", 227-pound guy. He's going to back up Elijah Thomas uh, uh, there at the center position. Averaged nearly a double-double last season. Uh, averaging 9.7 po- uh, minutes a game this year. Only 1.9 points. So the offensive the offensive game just hasn't been there so far. Yeah. <clears throat> what can we expect? What should we expect? Anything more than two points a game? Uh, to more than two points, but not much more. Uh, he's not really... Uh an ACC level offensive player at this point, he's got room for growth there. He will get better. Um, but he led his conference last year in offensive rebounding rate and was second in defensive rebounding rate. This is a guy who's going to crash the boards really hard. He's going to be a strong defender for us. And that's what we need him for. Um, he needs to be able to spell Eli when he gets in foul trouble or spell Amir when, when he's, um, you know, needs a, a break as well. This is our backup big guy that's going to get the majority of those backup big guy minutes, assuming that Malik William isn't healthy, which so far he's still, like you said, struggling with concussion symptoms. Uh, and <clears throat> and Trey Jemison may figure it out, uh, but he's very raw. And, and also, as you mentioned, missed, missed some time yep. at the beginning of this year. Also so that, with injuries. So he's still getting back in shape and, and figuring that out. Yep. But uh, that, that leaves us with Javen White as our big guy backup. And he so far has been very serviceable as a defender. He's been good on defense. He's been rebounding pretty well, although not quite as well as we'd hope. Uh, actually, he's been pretty good. I take that back. Um, but he needs to continue to do that and hit a couple more shots, a few more put back, slam, slam dunks, easy stuff around the basket. That's what he's good at. Um, and, and he will be exactly what we expected from him. So, so what is up with Malik William? And we talk about concussion issues with concussions, but this concussions happened back in the summer. So it's taken incredibly long to go through a concussion protocol. It seems like, uh, considering we see how guys on the football field sit out the game at most, um, and are right back at it the next week. Um, I, I do wonder how much longer this goes before they decide to redshirt him. Um, either way, he's still a work in progress at both ends of the court and may not see much increased playing time this year. But again, a guy with experience and a guy that you like out, out there to keep improving and for your depth. Yeah, that's a guy that we could use back. He's a pretty solid defender, gets lost a little bit at times. But offensively, he's got a lot more potential than a guy like Javen White. Um, he's got a little bit of a mid-range shot and he's got really good moves around the basket offensively. So... He's somebody that we could use. Our bench points production so far this year have been severely lacking. If we could get him back, that would help tremendously. I think he could come in and and be a pretty good producer, get you know five to seven points a game, um, 
if he was playing full minutes. And we just, we need him to get healthy. Uh, I really haven't heard anything about his concussion since the season started, since they said he was missing because of the concussion. Um, it's not easy to find injury information on college players, surprisingly. Uh, you know, the NFL, the NBA, they, they put out injury reports every day, every right. week, whatever it is. College players and teams don't have to do that. And so it's kind of uh, up to Twitter and the, the places like TigerNet and Chicken Southland, knowing people within the program to get that information out. Well, and so so here's hoping that um, that recovery starts to speed up and we do see him back sooner than later. Um, we mentioned Trey Jemison, and so finally that takes us to, to Hunter Tyson, a 6'8", 204-pound forward. He is a long-range threat. He started high school actually as a guard, but grew eight inches over that time and, and moved out to the wing. But kind of the, the benefit of that is he retained most of his ball handling skills, and which, kind of, which hopefully will allow him to be a playmaker moving forward. Maybe not right away. He starts to get his feet under him, but uh, maybe more of a role available with the transfer of Oliver. Um, and, hey, we need more shooters on the court. Yeah, we need him to to get back to his high school ways and hit, hit some of those three-point shots he's been taking. Um, he definitely has an aggressive streak to him, which I really love to, to see in players. He's all over the court when he's out there. He's trying his hardest, which is exactly what you would ask of a freshman. He's not going to be in the right place at the right time all the time at this point, um, but he's putting in the effort and he's learning. And he has the... He has the shooting stroke. He looks good shooting the ball. Nothing's going in yet. There was a, a shot against Mississippi State that looked, uh, the form was beautiful, and he airballed it about two feet long. So, you know, he's um, maybe got a little bit of a, a case of being scared of the next level at this point and doesn't trust himself to hit those shots yet. He'll figure it out. He'll get used to it. Uh, hopefully an ACC play will see him step up and hit one or two shots a game and, uh be a little bit more aggressive offensively. Well, you know what they say about shooters once they see one go down. So hopefully he starts getting some confidence and uh, some stuff starts falling because again, anybody on this team that we can see show some improvement this year and have the ability to make an impact as a freshman will certainly be beneficial. Um, so uh, before we wrap up uh, talking about who's on the roster and what the identity of this team this year, um, let's not forget to mention uh, the senior uh, guard, Lyles Davis and the, the freshman incoming guard, Parker Fox. Uh, we won't get too deep into them, but uh, you know this is just so they can tell their kids they uh, they made it onto a podcast. Yeah, we everybody loves Lyles. He's been with the team for several years as a walk-on. Um, Parker Fox is actually a, a full, you know, Lyles is like 5'10", 5'11", maybe He's six foot. 5'11", 166 pounds. Like, I'm 5'10", 180 pounds. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine being out on the court with these trees. No. like And, and this kid's out there just scrapping. I'm 5'11". If I was still in shape, I'd probably be around his weight as well. Um, I played basketball in high school, and I cannot imagine being out on a court with somebody like Zion Williamson, for example. There's no way I would even be able to come close to playing. So these guys are the walk-ons that are the, you know, the heart of the team. They, when they get in the game, they're the people that everyone wants to throw up a shot as soon as they touch the ball. Um, they're a really important part of, of college sports and college basketball, and we love cheering for them when they get out there. Hopefully our guys uh, that play in the rotation can get them some big old leads so they can get out there a little bit more this year. Everybody loves to see Lyles uh, knock down a shot. Okay, so that wraps up the roster for the 2018-2019 season. Um, for what we uh, are kind of missing in the guys that are returning, 
or, or who left after last year. We do have some some good returners, but we do have some high upside freshmen that maybe that we haven't seen in years past at, at Clemson who could come in and make an immediate impact. We'll have to see how uh, things unfold as the season goes on. So with that, let's move on to talking about this uh, current season, where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going. Okay, so the Tigers off to a 6-3 and three start this year, actually losing three of the last four games they've played. Those losses coming to all possible and probable tournament teams in Creighton, Nebraska, and Mississippi State. So uh, no bad losses uh, so far for this Clemson basketball team, but at the same time, no quality non-conference wins. Yeah, Mississippi State, which was on uh, Saturday, was really our last chance at a big-time non-conference victory. And, and I think the, the thing to say about that one and the, the, the kind of silver lining or the bright spot to take away there is Marquise Reed did not play in that game due to that uh, knee injury, and yet the team played close. They got it within five a few times and just couldn't turn the corner there late in the game, but they played a good team tough on a neutral court without their leading score. Yeah, we also experienced the greatest shooting performance by Mississippi State basketball probably in, in history. The, probably in the history of the uh, sport of basketball. In, yeah. in their pro, their program history, they had never hit more threes, and they did it on only 30 attempts. They were 19 for 30 for the game, which is over 60%, which is insane. Uh, we talked about our guys shooting under 30% and around 30%, and Amir's 40% being good. They shot 60% for the game. Uh, one of their guys went eight for eleven. Lamar Peters had twenty-eight points, his career high in the game against us. Shocker, career highs. Yes, you have Lamar Peters twenty-eight points in that game. Um, the nineteen threes again. They came in hitting only thirty-two percent, so that's just just asinine. And then you also had Tyshawn Alexander with thirty-six points against uh, Clemson in that game. So he was seven for twelve for yeah, three that game. Whatever it is about guys having continuing to have career nights against Clemson is something that we've seen for several years now. So. I guess we'll just have to get used to that. Um, but the three-pointers are, are something that I really want to key on, on here. You, you mentioned Peters going 8 for 11 from three, and then Alexander uh, for Creighton going 7 to 12. The three-point defense has, has been pretty poor for Clemson this year. They're having uh, a hard time closing out on, on people. So, you know, when you see guys go off like this, what is an excuse after they're kind of hit their – the fifth and sixth three-pointer. Like, why are we not up on these guys making life difficult for them beyond the arc? It's a little bit uh, on the players, and it's a little bit on the coaching staff, I think. Uh, we're currently giving up a 39.1% three-point percentage to our opponents, uh, which is 322nd of 353 programs in the country. That's really, really bad. Um, last year, we gave up a far better percentage uh, at 35, and we're in the middle of the pack in the country. Um, to answer your question though, I think what we need to do is trust our, our big guys a little bit more and stop packing the paint so much. Eli is a really good, uh, rim protector. Amir Sims is learning how to do it. Jonathan bear is passable as well. We need our guards to get out on these guys who are hitting shots and force them to drive past us. Um, you know, it's not like we have a Landry Noko back there who was, you know, G league defensive player of the year last year. And was our backstop for several years. Um, but we have a very good defensive front court that can deal with guys getting to the rim. And instead we're staying back and not extending hands when we should. Some of the shots uh, in the games that we've talked about with uh, Alexander and Peters, 
and the other guys on uh, on Mississippi State were just some ridiculously good contested shots. Well, you're starting to see the NBA and kind of Seth Curry phenomenon with these guys. They're not toeing the line anymore. Like they're two, three steps back, taking them from deep. And, you know, once you start to see that trend start to emerge in college basketball, that's something the defenses are going to have to adjust to. Yep. And we, we haven't made the adjustment yet. And whether that's um, through the coaching staff and the philosophy of Brennell packing it in, making people hit shots, or it's the players not uh, responding to somebody who's catching fire. I don't know. It's hard to say without being in the program, but um, it's something that we need to fix because currently we are one of the worst teams in the country at defending the three. Well, and I think you got to give Brad Brown now the benefit of the doubt on this one because what he has proven is um, year in and year out is to have really good defensive teams, uh, ones that bring defensive intensity, which has been key. And I think one of the best things you can say about Brad now is as much as his teams historically, aside from last year, struggled with offense, and even in games, you know, times when they've been losing, he's never seemed to have lost this team. You always see the effort on the defensive end of the court. Um, and I think that's been true every year, except for uh, two years ago when we lost to, to got blown out or had that big uh, comeback loss uh, to Oakland in the first round of the NIT. Yeah. So despite the fact that we are one of the worst teams in the country in defending the three, our defense is still top 50 in the country in efficiency. Um, we only give up 96 points per 100 possessions. Uh, which is good for 48th in the country. And that's because our two-point defense is incredible. Uh, we are sixth, uh, sixth in the country in offensive rebounding rate. We don't let people get offensive rebounds. And we are top 70 to 80 in a lot of other cal- categories defensively. So it brings up our our overall defensive rating. But the three-point shooting is is by far the weakest point. Yeah, but again, I think we can expect to see Brownell and his uh, coaching staff make adjustments. And you mentioned the defense as a whole is still top 50, so uh, that's encouraging. So let's uh, let's give him some time to figure that one out. Alternatively, though, on the offensive end, we mentioned last year was kind of uh, uh, an anomaly for Clemson. Like, we might have averaged over 70 points a game. I don't know when the last time we saw that was. Um, we've come back down to earth this year, and we're kind of back to an, an offense that has no identity. Um, and the main difference is, is Clemson basketball last year had scores. You had guys like DeVoe and Grantham and, and Reed and Mitchell, four guys. We've never seen four guys on the, on the court before with Elijah Thomas too, who have had the capability to score. I think all four guys were averaging or all five guys were averaging or did average over 10 points, uh, a, a game last year. Yep. We had a very balanced scoring attack last year, um, an average of 114, a little over 114 points per hundred possessions last year. Uh, we're down to 110 this year, which is still pretty decent, um, but it's below each of our last three seasons as a team. So it's something that had, you know, Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell been hitting shots the first couple of weeks of the season, we'd be right up at that 114, 115 range again. Uh, I think that we definitely have the potential to be a solid offense this year, but we lost some of the ineffable things, uh, the Steph Curry effect type things from losing Dante Grantham and Gabe DeBoe. Uh, the spacing that Gabe created by shooting those super deep threes and hitting them at a very, very respectable rate is something that you don't get when players are cold or when you've got guys who don't trust their shots. Um, and Gabe showed he was a guy last year that even when he was having an off game, you still had to get out and defend him because you never know. He hits that shot, uh, that uh, that, late, one go that, that late three-pointer at the closing minutes of the second half, and all of a sudden he had some big shots to – to, to secure a lead and win a game. 
Yep. And I think uh, Marquise is a guy who could be that flamethrower type guy for us this year if he can get his shooting back on track. But uh, it's it's something that, you know, we'll we'll see improvement throughout the season. Certainly Marquise Reed, a 38% shooter, will not shoot 27% all year from three. Um, so we're going to see improvement, but it's it's hurt us a lot so far this year, and it, it's probably cost us two or three games already. So I think what we can hopefully expect, and two of the things that will really kind of help uh, uh, remedy this, is just to start seeing Mitchell and Reed shoot better. We also men- mentioned we need to see Clyde Trapp emerge as a playmaker. That's going to um, help. And then Amir Sims, to see him continue to develop and improve his offensive game so he really becomes a threat. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that Elijah Thomas is very valuable in that sense, especially when you talk about spreading out the floor. With As good as he's gotten with his game around the rim, funneling the ball through him inside, through Elijah Thomas, when he's not making shots, that can help suck defenses in, leave guys open on the perimeter, and leave them uh, and give them open shots. Yeah, he's definitely somebody that we can run the offense through. Uh, when we get the ball to him in the post, whether it's deep in the post and he makes a move to score for himself, or if it's a little bit further out, he makes a move and gets somebody else open by sucking in defenders. He's a really good and willing passer, um, and he's somebody that we can definitely trust on offense. He turns it over a little bit too much because uh, he gets the ball too low and lets guards swipe at him sometimes. But he's shown improvement every year in that in that aspect and will continue to improve this year, I think, and, it's, and, it's, and be great for us. Yeah, it's been a long time since Clemson had a big man down low that you could really funnel the offense through. Trevor Booker is the last one that comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, we had him. no offensive threat from the post yeah. in the last five, six years. Yeah. Um, so really love to see that improvement there, uh, from Elijah Thomas. So again, run the offense through him, get some improved shooting, uh, from some of these other guys and having some freshmen emerge and let's give it some time and see this offense start to develop and see if they can start to, uh, form an identity here. Um, and then finally for me here, I, I think that we, as opposed to maybe years past, we really have to get some young guys, some playing time early on with the anticipation that we're going to need them on the court when it comes to ACC play. You've seen in the past us get guys in uh, early on in the season in non-conference play and see that kind of dissipate and fade away once you got an ACC play. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think we're going to need a guy like uh, Newman or Hunter Tyson or somebody like that to really show some effectiveness on the offensive end. Yeah, we're too thin uh, across the board, especially at guard, for those guys to not get minutes. So, you know, Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell can only play so many minutes a night. They need guys to back them up. Clyde Trapp will fill a large chunk of those minutes, uh, but we need Newman or Tyson or, you know, someone else to fill that spot, whether it's Scars slipping down to a a two guard and running some point. I don't know, Um, but we need somebody to fill those minutes. Okay, so let's kind of move on to a a season outlook here. Prior to the season coming in, I had us, based on who we had returning and just based off of what we knew about the the new guys, I had this Clemson basketball team going 22-9, and 11-7 and seven in the ACC with 11-2 and two out of conference uh, record. That would put us a top eight for sure, probably a, a top five ACC team yeah, at 11, like top and, five. 11 and 7 there, and of course certainly making the tournament. Now, unfortunately, after seeing the team play this year and kind of some of the struggles on the offensive end and defending the three-point line, I'd say with the way we're playing right now, I see this as an 18-13 and 13 team going 8-10 and 10 in the ACC. 
which honestly with that record and with the fact that we don't have any quality out of conference wins, that record has you missing the tournament. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think uh, given the way our schedule has worked out for ACC play, I can see us pretty easily getting to nine and nine. Uh, We get to play seven games against what I would consider the weakest teams in the ACC. Uh, And if we win five or six of those, that'll put us in good shape. Um, We are in that second tier, the okay teams in the ACC, along with teams like Miami, Louisville, NC State. uh, And we only play three games against them, um, one each against those three. Uh, the good teams, we play seven t- seven against as well, uh, and then we have one game against Duke. So there's four tiers in my ACC standings. Uh, Duke, I think, is going to pretty easily win the conference this year. Virginia will be probably the closest second. Uh, North, Co- North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Syracuse are going to be jumbled up in that um, three through seven range. I think we probably end up eighth or ninth. Uh, round nine and nine, maybe ten and eight, if we steal one from one of the good teams. Nine and nine gets you probably into the tournament in the ACC. If we go nine and nine and win the rest of our non-conference games, and then win at least one game if we have a bye in the ACC tournament, or two if we don't, um, that should get us into the tournament as somewhere around an eight to ten seed. And it's funny, you know, Radford being a decent basketball team this year in their upcoming in our non-conference schedule, they've got a couple upsets so far on the year, I believe, against Texas and Notre Dame. Yep. Um, and then Lipscomb, who's actually a decent basketball team. But the funny thing about that is, should those teams go on to make the tournament, that is still probably not going to be considered a quality win if, if Clemson beats them. However, if they beat Clemson, that would be considered a quality win for them. Yeah. Uh, our our game against uh, Lipscomb is not considered a quality game. Uh, for those of you that are familiar, KenPalm.com, Ken Pomeroy has a website where he he rates all of the games as either just a neutral game, a B game, or an A game. Uh, the only remaining B game that we've got is South Carolina on the road, and that's just because it's on the road. Uh, they're not a good team. South Carolina always bringing down our strength of schedule and everything we do, huh? Uh, our three losses so far this year, out of interest, are all A losses. They're all teams that we either in the situation we weren't expected to win or was expected to be very close. And they're all very high up in Ken Pomeroy's rankings. Um, when we look at our ACC schedule, there are three games, uh, make that four that are not an A or a B. Uh, and those are the games that we should absolutely be winning teams against games against teams like Georgia tech, Pitt, wake forest and Boston college. Um, there's one game against Pitt on the road. That is a B game. Every other game in our schedule in the ACC is an A game which means it would be a quality win for us if we got it. But let's we need fa- a lot of those. But let's face it, we're going to start 0-3 in ACC play. We almost certainly will because we start the season with Duke. Luckily, we only play them once, like I mentioned. Uh, I don't see any way that we can keep up with that fast-paced, gigantic Duke team that can also shoot. They could just put Zion out there by himself. Um we then play Syracuse, who, if we're going to win one in the first three, it's going to be that one. But both of those. that's on the road. Both as of well those as first two game. on the road. Uh, and then we play Virginia at home. Uh, you know, Little John is great during ACC play. It gets loud. It's intense. It's one of the hardest places in the country to play. But Virginia is a much better team. And when you're are. having trouble scoring, it doesn't help to go up uh, against Virginia unless you're University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's a look ahead at the schedule uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, you know, it, it's tough. You know, it's an ACC schedule. We're used to that. We know what that means. But um, 
this team's got seven guys coming back who experienced tournament play last year and some good young guys coming in. So uh, hopefully there you, you got to give them some time to gel. We mentioned all the inju- injuries uh, between the several guys coming into this year. Um, so they just need kind of some time to get their feet under them and, and to gel a little bit as a, as a basketball team. There's a lot of time to do that. Um, unfortunately, we burned our bridges a bit with not getting one of those wins against the, the, the three teams that we lost to. Um, but still every opportunity moving forward to, to make a run and, uh, and, and be a tournament team again uh, for the second year in a row. And that's be the first time in a long time that will be the second year in a row. Who do you have pegged as this team's most important starter? Uh, I think our most important starter has, has got to be uh, Eli. We, he's a huge part of our offense um, and a huge part of our defense. Marquise Reed went down. He would probably be my second choice there. Um, but Eli is just so pivotal to the way that we defend and the way that we run our offense. Um, he can't create for others really without some help, but um, he he can really study the defense as long as he's in the game and healthy and not in foul trouble. We have a chance to be in a game. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And part of it's because of the foul trouble issues. And, you know, obviously he's no help to this team if he's not on the court, but just with his improved offensive ability and uh, um, the, the prospect of running the offense down there through the post um, and opening up some other things on the outside – is something that that really leads me to believe that he probably is the most important starter. I, I thought about Shelton Mitchell, but I think that was me thinking he could be the most important if he actually stepped up and was a dominant force on this team. I just don't see that coming out of him. Um, he is what he's going to be, so I, I would just like him to to get back to his numbers from last year and see more of that Shelton Mitchell from the New Mexico State game in the tournament. How about the most important guy off the bench? Uh, off the bench, it's definitely going to be Clyde Trapp. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else that's really even close in that conversation for us this year. Uh, Trap has to make improvements and he has to be a guy that creates for others and leads this team when he's subbing in for either reader or Mitchell. Um, you know, there are guys like the freshman who could step up and make a big impact, but this season will not be a strong one for us if we don't have a good uh, point guard backup. And that, that is Clyde Trap for us. Yeah, I totally agree there. And again, it's compounded by the fact with uh, with Oliver leaving. Um, and I'm th- pretty sure I know you're going to say uh, John Newman here, but who's the freshman we need to step up the most? Uh, Newman's the obvious one because he's he's a guard uh, and we're thin in the backcourt like we've talked about. Um, I think Newman and Trap, or sorry, Newman and uh, Tyson are both really good candidates for a strong season. I think they both have the potential to be effective ACC players this year. Um one on offense, the other on defense. If Newman can be a serviceable offensive player and uh, and be effective on defense like we think he can be, then he's definitely going to be the biggest freshman for us. Okay, so that's uh, this 2018-19 Clemson basketball team in a nutshell. High expectations, of course, coming in this year, and as to be expected after uh, really kind of, a, for, by Clemson standards, a Cinderella run last year in the NCAA tournament. Um off to a slow start this year, not what we would have liked to see, but again, no bad losses yet, so we'll see how this team continues to improve. 
So before we wrap this show up, um, this is also kind of a new ground for for, for Clemson Tigers. Uh, let's talk about the Tigers and the pros. We're actually seeing a lot of success, including a Mr. Jerron Blossom game, getting the call up to the Cleveland Cavaliers to replace the the, the, the venerable uh, LeBron James, of course. Yeah, you know, he's a three guard, sort of. He's definitely replacing LeBron directly now. Uh, they've decided he got a start in one of his first four games in the in the NBA. So, you know, he's making that jump. Uh, but no, he seriously, he he was playing great for the Austin Spurs in the G League this year, got traded to Cleveland's G League team in Canton, uh, continued to play really well. After only about two weeks there, he got the call up and made his debut last week in the NBA. He's played really well so far. Uh, really strong defensive effort from him. Super active uh, on the glass as well. Scoring a couple points, but not as well as he was in the G League, which is kind of to be expected. Um, he is not the only one, though. Yeah, uh, it's it, Dante Grantham's doing really well, which is uh, considering the injury, just coming off of uh, almost uh, probably about a month, a month and a half removed from it being a year from that ACL uh, tear. Um, great to see him bounce back and get the opportunity. I mean, I felt terrible for the kid after he went down last year, but really awesome to see him playing so well. Yeah, he and also KJ McDaniels are both playing for Oklahoma City's G League team. Same team. Uh, so they get to play a little together, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, Dante made his debut uh, last week as well for the Oklahoma City Blue. And last night, he actually had almost a triple-double. So he's doing really well so far. KJ is also killing it, averaging more than 15 points a game and, he, and six rebounds. Grantham would have played with KJ his freshman year, correct? I think they did play together for yeah, a year. Yeah, because K, KJ left and we had two years of Bloss and then uh, last year. Yeah, so that would have been Grantham's uh, freshman year. So, yeah, really cool to see them out there playing together. And uh, they actually visit the Santa Cruz Warriors upcoming in February. And instead of playing in Santa Cruz, they're going to play in the Oakland Coliseum. So uh, we're going to get a Clemson crew together out here and go uh, take that game in. Yeah, it would be great if we could go see that. Uh, It's interesting that Dante and KJ get to play together. They missed each other by a year because KJ left school early. So they did miss each other by a year. Okay. Yep. So miscalculated. they, uh, They could have been there at the same time, but KJ left early. So then Bobby Buckets, that uh, leads us to him. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's playing in Poland uh, for a team over there, and he is scoring a lot of points for them, getting a fair number of rebounds, doing what Bobby Buckets does. And Landry Noko, we talked about him. Is he still in the D-League? No, he actually moved over to Europe as well. Uh, He started the season um, playing for one team. He actually just moved over to Alba in Germany and is, I mean, he's been scoring a bunch of points for them and He's still a defensive specialist. He's getting a double-double almost every game. Uh, he's a guy who's probably making a good salary in, in Europe, unlike um, unlike Gabe. Gabe's probably on a rookie-type contract. Landry's a established player now. Um, like I mentioned earlier, he was the G League Defensive Player of the Year one year, um, which is, you know, it's not as prestigious as the NBA, obviously, but it's still a pretty big deal. Um, hey, better to be the, the best than the worst. Exactly. So he's uh he's doing really well. I would not be surprised if he plays over there a year or two and then comes back to the NBA uh, and makes a run at, at making the league again. Yeah, so really just kind of some unprecedented uh, times here in uh, in recent history for the Clemson Tigers and all the pros that we have out there. And it really is an indication of how far this program has come. You got two guys in the NBA, which I don't think has happened maybe since like Sherrod Ford and Chris Whitney way back in the day. 
Um, and I can't even remember if they overlapped in the NBA, but to have uh, Trevor Booker, who we didn't mention, and Jerron Blossom game now with the possibility of Grantham and K.J. McDaniels making a move with how well they've been playing. I mean, all, granted, they are in Oklahoma City's uh, farm system, so to speak. So, you know, with a team that good, less likely that they may get the bump up. But, hey, you never know what's going to happen. But, again, this is a, a credit to, to – it really shows how far this program has come under Brad Brownell. The tournament appearances not there quite yet. We got a taste of that last year, but uh, let's stick in there and, and see what we have yet to come. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all we can say is uh, we know it's been football season. We know there's been some lax attendance at the basketball games. And honestly, I, I can't blame the fans at this point until you start seeing a consistent product um, on the basketball court year in and year out. It's going to be a little bit slow, for, especially during football season, with how well Clemson has been doing in football for, for teams to uh, – or for fans to start showing up. But listen, man, I uh, got a game against Radford coming up uh, on the 15th. Tickets are as low as $2 for that game. And then Charleston Southern on the 18th, tickets as low as $3. So uh, pretty affordable, even with uh, all the money you're spending on Christmas presents to get out there and support the team. So as the if you're in the area and in this downtime between Nell and the, um, the first round of the college football playoff, go support the basketball team. They deserve it. Okay, so that's our 2018-2019 basketball season preview. Uh, moving forward, we're still going to be primarily primarily focusing on football until the first part of January, and then we'll flip it over to some more basketball coverage. Generally, last year, we went about a week and a half every two weeks uh, with our coverage of the sport, and obviously tightening that up around tournament time, so be on the lookout for that. Um, as always, we appreciate everybody listening. You can interact with us, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. You can and uh, also on Facebook and Twitter at Clemson Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on any of your podcasting apps. We've uh, had some people mention to us uh, that they weren't seeing the episodes coming out. So every once in a while, you maybe want to close your app completely, open it up, refresh it. So um, when you make sure when you are following us uh, that those things pop up as soon as they come out. So we'll be back here with you soon with some more football talk, looking back on the 2018 regular season and also looking ahead to the college football playoff. Um, and as we said last year, between the success in football and basketball and, of course, with the baseball team, it's a great time to be a Clemson Tiger. So until next time, and as always, go Tigers. Yes.